take over doubt, we gon' make it Show the world that I shine in our greatness Keep it real, never gon' fake this Till we make it, till we make it Taking off, flying high like a spaceship Take control, take a shot Alright, welcome back everybody This is Danny from Shake the Earth Podcast I appreciate you taking your time to be with us Today I've got a really, really interesting guest on today Shalice Morgan How are you today? I'm very good. So Shalice just recently accomplished something pretty incredible. By anybody's judgment, this is pretty incredible. What did you just do? It was in May? It was in June. July. July. Oh, so (laughs) just barely. Yeah, just barely. Okay. Tell everybody what you did. I was the first person to break the record for the most um, summits of Timpanogos, which was seven. Seven. How long did it take you? Uh, it was almost 48 hours. I think it was 47 hours and 23 minutes. So we have a, we have a lot of people that are not familiar with Utah and obviously we're based here in Utah and I see Mount Temp every single day because we live here. Tell viewers why that's significant. How big is Mount Temp? So the elevation at the peak is about 11.7 and it's 14 miles round trip. So it was a total of 102 miles and close to 30,000 feet in elevation for the total seven summits. Okay, so you you did this all within 48 hours. Yes. And recently, was it uh, was it Deseret News that did the article on you? Or yes. Was it, okay, it was so Deseret, Deseret News. So I, I'm I'm reading. We kind of have some once or twice removed friends and acquaintances between us, and your name got brought up and it was like, okay, you need to have Shalice on. Not only because of what you have done like in athletics and in running as, a, as an ultra trail runner, but also some of the incredible things you've done in your life. Uh, and we're going to get to that. And so we reached out, what was it last week? Just barely. Yes. Last and week. You, re- you responded and you said, yep, I'd love to come on. Like this last week, everyone's been asking when is Shalice going to come in? You're like a superstar around here now. <laughs> I want to go into your running because your running is kind of a byproduct of the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. I started struggling with um, drug addiction, well, drug and alcohol addiction at the age of 14, and it kind of took control of my life and sucked me in. And, you know, it was a struggle for 20 plus years. I started running with a group called Addicts to Athlete for a little bit when I first got sober and they introduced me to trail running. And that's where it all began, is when I started getting out in the mountains and seeing the beauty that was out there, you know, after living in darkness for so many years, and then seeing, (laughs) you know, what is out there and what this world has to offer. And it's a lot more than just trail running, but it opened my eyes to a whole different view of the world when I started doing that. So rail, uh, trail running, sorry, has, is more, do you think it was part of your recovery or was it just something that happened because you were kind of rock bottom? It's been a huge part of my recovery. I feel like it's giving me self-confidence, which I struggled with for many, many years. It's also a sense of like connection and belonging. You know, I never felt that. Growing up, I was always very lost and you know, like just insecure. And it's just like the, the feeling I get, you know, out there running and being a part of the mountains, all of that insecurity goes away and it's just a sense of belonging, you know. How did running become part of it? 
Well, before I started using drugs, I was always an active person. Like, I always enjoyed working out. Like, growing up, I took dancing. I was just always doing something active. And I ran, like, a little bit here and there in between, like, periods of trying to stay sober, you know, just because it, it lifted my spirits and made me feel good, you know. I started out running roads, and okay. I don't know, like, I just liked it. It was like once I started running, I just, I felt good. Did you, you know? know pretty quickly that running was kind of your way out, you thought? Yeah, for sure. I knew right away. So you started running with, like, an addiction recovery group where right. I, I assume some of those people running were also people that you got to know because of your outreach for, for therapy or rehabilitation. Were yeah. they also addicts as well? They were. Okay. They were in recovery also. I think we we summarize this story really quickly. 20 years. You start when you're 14 using drugs and alcohol. And for 20 years, you're in, like you said, you're in like darkness. I mean, for, of course, it all started out as just like, okay, this is fun, you know? <laughs> and like being such a shy, insecure girl at the time, I, it took that away, you know? But I just, I took it too far. I took it, you know, it just got to a point where it had to be every day and not just for fun. And it started controlling my life. And, you know, at the time I tried many ways to like get sober. I tried treatment once and that didn't work. I tried getting married. <laughs> I tried having a, a daughter. I have a daughter. How old your daughter? She is 14 now. Okay. But none of those things worked. It was, I was like searching for all the like doing it for other people, doing it for other things, you know, trying to get sober. But what um, what kinds of drugs were you doing? Uh, it started out just smoking pot and drinking, and then it turned into opiates. And before you know it, I was you know doing heroin, cocaine, meth, all of the above, pretty much everything. So some of the more illicit kind of hardcore drugs. How long were you doing that of that twenty year span? At least ten. Okay, so like the back half of it, mm -hmm. everything just kind of escalates. Mm -hmm. What would be your piece of advice for somebody that's struggling right now with drug or alcohol abuse? Like for me, I had to surround myself around people that had been there, that have gotten sober before. I'm part of some 12-step programs that are a huge part of my recovery also. I've met some amazing people in those programs that carried me through my sobriety and I'd have to say they were all women. And that's why I'm so strong on like showing women that we can do hard things because they're the ones that actually carried me through this in the beginning and were there to love me when I didn't, when I wasn't able to love myself. And they gave me that confidence that I could, I could get through it. So I just learned the hardest part was like reaching out and accepting help, you know, from people because um, for me, like I was such a stubborn person and thought that I could do it on my own. And I had to come to that realization that that's not possible. And I, there's just no way to do, to get sober on your own. You need support, you need help from other people. Um, that's the only way it worked for me is to accept that help and find it from others out there that have been there. It's almost like a chain. Like I had like this, I've imagined a chain like, where the chain grows longer as you reach out to other people that need help. And then that person reaches out to another person. And then there's this chain of, of connections and support and that chain gets stronger the longer it gets. I'm assuming you said you're working at a local rehabilitation center. Now you're, you're part of that chain that you're reaching out to 
other people, other women that are going through this, you know, same thing that you went through. Tell us a little bit about what you do every day. So I work at a treatment center. It's called Will Tree Recovery. Um, I've been there for four years now, actually. And it wasn't in the plan. <laughs> it just kind of fell in my lap. So therefore, I know it was meant to happen. You know, it's not like I went out seeking it, but it just it fell into place. And so I knew this was where I was meant to be. And I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity to to work there it's a fresh reminder of like where I never want to go again, you know, which is always, you know, good to always have fresh in your mind. Cause if you forget that, that's not good, mm -hmm. you know, but it's also very rewarding to be able to be part of, you know, that light come on in people's eyes and to see the change, you know, we get patients from anywhere from 30 to 90 days. And the change I see in people is just amazing, you know, to see that every day. And then to also be support, you know, I do try to share a lot of my story with them that are in there, you know, to show them like what we can do. You can do it. What we can do. Yeah. So when so. you, when you quit, did you quit cold Turkey or did you go into a, a rehab center like this Willow Creek or, or something? Willow Tree. Willow Tree, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I went to treatment. Actually, jail is my story. Um, I was in jail for a good year, so that's where I got sober, and then I moved into a women's sober living after I got out of jail, and that's what really helped me, too. That was, and I, I use this term loosely because I think it really is impactful for a lot of people, but that was your rock bottom. Yeah, that sitting in jail. Point. I mean, there's so many rock bottoms that people can hit. It just depends on when you want to you know, be done. It was like, I'm like, can it really get any worse? <laughs> you know, I just got to a point where I was just done. I was, I just didn't want it anymore. I was finished. Like I was exhausted because my day spent like finding ways and means to, you know, get high. That was my day every day, day after day, day after day. And it was a lot of work, a lot of work for years, for and years. years and years and years. I was just tired. I was done. I didn't want to live that way. So I was like, okay, either like throw me in jail or end this. Like, I'm just, I just, I can't do it anymore. I had just reached a point where I was, I was just finished. So from the time you're out of jail, you go into jail for about a year, roughly in and out probably, or was it just one, one stint? No, it was, I was in and out multiple time. times. Okay. Yeah. So from the last time you went to your first run on the pavement, how much time? It was about three or four months sober before okay. I started getting into running. Okay. Yeah. Because at first it was just like, okay, you know, do what I need to do to not relapse and to get rid of that obsession. Yeah. And then I was able to start looking at other ways outside of myself to like help me, you know, feel better physically and mentally. And that's when I got introduced to addicts to athlete and started running and Okay. So if you're just joining us, I've got Shalise Morgan. She's an ultra trail runner. What does ultra mean? Tell people, because I, I didn't really know this until like probably the last couple months. It's anything under, over, I mean, sorry, over a marathon. So anything over 26.2. Mm -hmm. And you've run, just before we went live, you said you've run how many 100 milers? 10. 10. And you really, you've been clean from drugs. You've been sober for six years? I'll have six years on the 19th of September. So Shalise is a total inspiration. She's a recovering uh, drug addict. Um, she's an ultra trail runner. And recently this, just this last month, you summited Mount Timpanogos, which is about almost just under 12,000 feet. 
each round is 14 miles and you did it seven times in a row. Correct. Yeah. Over a hundred miles. Yeah. And you're kind of smiling like, yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just because it's still hard for me to believe that I did it <laughs> at this point. Like, I don't know. When other people say it, it's just like, oh, yeah, I did do that. Yeah, you are awesome. So you, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the drug side because we, had, we asked some of our, our listeners, you know, what would be a question that you would want to ask? And one of the questions, I think is a really good one, is what advice does uh, Shalise have for family members trying to help someone with drug addiction? I think it's a really good question because you don't, there's, I think some people think there might be lines that they don't want to cross or how harsh do you deal with somebody that's using drugs and, you know, do you kick them out because they're doing something or do you try to get them into rehab? But I think it's a really good question. What, what advice would you give? Well, of course I would definitely find some help for them if they're willing to get help. Cause there's some amazing help out there now. I mean, like when I got sober, it wasn't as easy to find, but now these days, like, you know, there's a lot of help out there. You know, one thing that my family did for me is they never stopped loving me. I think that's very important because that's what anybody needs is to always be loved. You know, uh, if we don't have that, then, you know, we're super lost for sure. But my family also chose to like love me from a distance for a little bit. They didn't enable me, you know, they wouldn't give me money, you know, anything like that. I, I mean, I kind of pushed them away, but you know, I think it comes to a point like, are you helping them or are they, are you hurting them as opposed to like what you're doing for them? But, you know, definitely finding them some help if they're willing and, you know, and just never stop the love. You know, it's hard because with us addicts, we don't necessarily always get it like the first time, you know, even if we do get some help, there's, you know, relapse is sometimes part of the story, but it doesn't mean it's the end. And, like if you see some sort of, you know, glimpse of willingness, just, you know, continue to help them. And sometimes you need to just let them, I mean, it's hard, but sometimes you need to just let them go until they, they, they can figure it out. You know, I, there's nothing like my family could have done differently to make me get it any sooner. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just the path I had to take. And that's, what's hard, you know, I'm sure because you know, it's like sometimes they just have to step back and, you know, but just letting them know you still love them no matter what, I think is super, super important because I think that's what I just knew that I had at least, you know, that love from my family. That was kind of your default. Mm -hmm. You kind of went back to that. Mm -hmm. What, what have you done to kind of repair relationships? Cause I'm, I'm assuming there was probably some I don't know, maybe discouragement or letting down of your family or friends of those putting their arm around you, trying to, you know, maybe 10 years into you using drugs and, you know, how do you, how do you go about repairing relationships like that? For my family, there was n nothing that they, I had to like do specifically. It was just them. They saw it. They saw a change in me. Um, they saw me become a different person and that was enough for them. They learned to trust me again and it, just with time, it just took time. And then them seeing me, you know, as a different person, um, there are a lot of people out there that I hurt and did a lot of horrible things to. And it's not like going back to these people and saying, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, because I'm sure, you know, people have heard that numerous times. It's just being a good person. Yeah. You know? Going forward. Yeah. Like you can't look back, hurt your neck. Yeah, for sure. When you're running, 
you've got to be in a mental state and, and I don't know what it's like to run like you. Uh, but I think everybody at some point has what I call flow. Like, and I think other people call it flow. Like you, you just, things are going like you're flowing. Your mind is in a place where you can work, uh, really well or your body's working well. Um, one of the questions that Scott asked is it, it, it has to take an insane amount of mental strength to run an ultra marathon, especially running temp. How much of that, how much of your past experience, knowing that you can do hard things goes into you running races now? Well, overcoming addiction was played a huge part because like that was really mentally and physically hard, you know, getting through that, getting through that obsession that's there every day. So that, that was like a huge thing. Like if I could get through that, I can get through some of these hard races. And now some of these hard races, I know I can get through like pretty much anything, you know, I just think like mentally, you know, I have to do the every once in a while because you do have moments where you have some doubt and start feeling like you don't feel good. <laughs> you know, you're going to have those times that you're down, but it's just like I do the self-motivational talks of like, you know, Shalice, you are strong. You can get through this, you know, and this will pass, you know. Everything passes. Like, yeah, we have struggles or you're uncomfortable at times, but they always pass and you feel better after. And it's the same in life and it's the same when I'm out there running. Like you'll have moments where it's like down moments where it's hard and like you're not feeling the best, but they always pass and then you'll start feeling better again. So I just I just know that and I just keep moving forward. I love that. So so summiting Mount Temp, I, I still uh, people just really don't appreciate that unless they know that or they've been up there. I've done it one time. I've hiked it. I didn't run it. And it was exhausting. Walk me through like the succession of round one versus round two and like where you're at mentally as you're, as you're going through each of these, um, summits, like walk me through that to kind of paint a picture for me. Just keep in mind. Also, I had an amazing support crew (laughs) through all of this too, um, that helped me. Um, first one, of course I felt good. Like, you know, going up, I didn't run any up. Like, there were sections that I normally run and I didn't. I'm like, this is hard to hold back, but yeah. I knew what I had coming ahead. You would have burned so, out really fast. So I was moving, you know, I kept it pretty slow on purpose because I did want to be able to reach my goal. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I've heard it said before, like, you know, start out painfully slow if you can when you have those long distance. So the first one was, you know, pretty good. We started at like seven in the morning, you know, felt good going up. The second one, was more in the heat of the day. So, and I, I, I chose the two hottest days of the year to do this too. <laughs> I think hot. both days, it gets hot up there. the temperature was over a hundred down here, but up there, I mean, it still got, I think, I don't know, close to 90. It felt like there's not a whole lot of shade cover up no, there either. Towards the beginning, be you're pretty exposed. So yeah. at least up higher, it gets a little cooler, yeah. you know, when you get towards the meadow and all that, but heading up, it stays pretty hot. So it was just, my focus on the second one was just stay hydrated um, and, you know, of course, keep food in you because yeah. you don't really want to eat when it's hot. The third one, it was more in the evening, and that's when I get my little burst of energy, like heading up when it started to cool off a little bit. So I was like, okay. And then by the time we got to the third, the top of the third summit, it was a beautiful sunset. 
like there had been fires that day and so like it made the sky red and orange and I was just like yeah I'm, I'm gonna do this that was it was like just your, so that was beautiful your... I'm like this is this is gonna happen it just gave me like I don't know it was just a point that I was just really happy and like full of gratitude I don't know was, that was, was on your neat. third round then. yeah okay yeah and then the fourth the fourth was in the night I got a little sleepy I usually get you know, between the hours of two or four in the morning, I struggle um, just because I get really tired. Uh, but my my crew kept me kept chatting and did their best to keep were, me distracted. Were you taking like breaks in between the rounds or like prolonged amount of time? Because you did it all within 48 hours, which is crazy, crazy fast. I had like an aid station set up in my car of just okay. food and water. And I would just eat something when I go down there and you know, get water. I try not to stop for too long. I feel like it's harder for me if I just stay consistent. Um, that works best for me. If I take too long of breaks, it's a lot harder for my body to did keep you, going. Did, you didn't take any naps? Mm-mm. No sleep? Mm-mm. Good night. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. So like at round three, you're like, I know I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Keep going. I want to hear the rest of this. This is crazy. <laughs> And then five was in the morning. I ate some breakfast, you know, after four, before we started five, I changed my clothes, socks, so I was a little more refreshed. The sun started coming up, and that's always, like, you know, you kind of get, like, a new burst of energy as the sun comes up the next day. Five was, like, a pretty decent summit. I felt, I felt, you know, pretty good. Of course, you know, my legs were getting a little tired and slowed down a little bit, but I was still feeling pretty, pretty decent. And um, then six... It was the heat again. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about five is like five was the like, because last year I did four summits. So five, it was like the most I'd done so far. So that was a huge accomplishment. And then six was tough because of the heat. But it was also when I got to the summit of six, like I knew I had it. You know, I knew I had that I was going to reach seven at that point because I was still feeling, I mean, not wonderful, but like I knew I could reach my goal at that point. So I was like full, pretty much, I don't know, had still some energy left to me, yeah. you know? Did, did you did you set out to do it seven times or or, or would you like, I'm gonna try to do as many times as I can? I'm, my goal, because I don't like to put like major expectations on myself. Yeah. And so my goal was to just, you know, do what I could do. And of course I wanted to break the record, but I wasn't like dead set on it. I wasn't like, this is how it has to be. Yeah. It's like, if I do it great, if not, like, let's just hope for more than what I did last year, you know, whether that's five, six or whatever. So, so what is the record then? So the record was six for six. many, many years. Okay. And then I just did seven. Yeah. And it'll probably hold for many, many years. Well, someone just beat it. Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> so now you're preparing. Well, no, Are they didn't preparing? beat it. They tied it. Oh, they tied it. A, yeah. Okay. A guy went out a couple of weeks ago and did seven. A guy did? Yeah. So now you, I see this like competitive streak in you right now. No one can see it because they're not, we're not filming, but I could tell you're going to break it again. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. We'll so, see. so you get up on your seventh, you make it to the to peak. You look around. What time of the day is it? It was like three in the morning and I oh, actually, can't see anything. <laughs> I summited my seventh summit faster than my sixth, just because I think I was so excited to get it done and knew yeah. You knew, had, you knew that it was done. Like and you I were, had a group of friends like following me up and they were encouraging me and telling me how amazing I was. And like, but just with the summits of Temp and uh, 
just through my addiction and through my life, I couldn't do it without like family and the friends that I have today, for sure. <laughs> Your story, both in athletics and, and in recovery, are probably the most perfect parallels. Like doing and accomplishing the unlikely, right? Before we started recording, I said, "Where you know, when you were fourteen, did you envision yourself twenty years?" an addict and you said no. And I, and, and then I said, what, what did you envision? And what did you say? I saw myself not living very long the way I was going. And really in a relatively short amount of time, you know, just barely six years for you to be able to do that is such an inspiration. That is so incredible. So your friends are there, you're coming down the mountain, you're probably floating, right? Knowing that you've just done something crazy impressive so the most amazing moment was like reaching the seventh summit my friend stood back and let me summit by myself and all I did was cry of course <laughs> just because as I was heading up to the seventh summit I was just thinking about you know where my life was and where it is now and all the blessings and the awesome things I've seen the amazing people I've met my life is so precious today and that's what I always remember when I'm out there and I always stay in gratitude. Um, there's something out there and I'm not sure what it is. Like I've kind of become like a, a, a spiritual person through this journey. I know um, that something carries me when I'm out there doing hard things. I know it's not just me. That's a lot of times where I find my strength too, for sure. So it was a super spiritual moment up there by myself in quiet, just thinking about all that. How long were you up there? It was only for like a few minutes, but it seemed like forever. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had to make it back down. Yeah. And then heading back down is when I got really tired. <laughs> My friends were having to like pretty much hold me up from falling, you know, coming down. But and then I was just in awe for the next week. So what was recovery like? Because I know when I hiked it one time, I was sore for like three days, four days. Like I was just exhausted. It's a it's a steady hike. Like you gain a lot of elevation. You gained 30,000 feet mm -hmm. of elevation in yeah. 48 hours. Yeah. So what was recovery like? So I was like, I expected today hardly to be able to move the following day, but I, I felt pretty, pretty good. Like I was so amazed. Like that normally doesn't happen after doing a hundred miles, but I felt pretty good more than anything. I was just tired. You know, like that whole week I, I was, I was pretty exhausted, but as far as like aches and pains, you know, that's one thing I've been super blessed with. I recover pretty fast from these things. So that's why it's like, okay, this is my thing. Like I don't have a lot of health issues or physical limitations or that's how I know, like, you know, I can, you're meant for I'm it. I'm meant for it. Yeah. You know, what is your, um, besides your family and, and, uh, it could be some friends, but who's somebody that really inspires you? Maybe it could be another athlete or it could be just a friend that, but who's somebody that you really, really look up to? Um, there's so many, they're all, I mean, it's just a bunch of women that I know in the running community. There's this, um, lady that I follow on Instagram and that I, I've, I met in this last year. Her name's Sylvia. She just, finished a hundred miler that was, she was like the first female <laughs> and only female to finish it. And she's super strong. She's done many two hundreds and just keeps going and is like super humble. Like 
she's exactly, you know, who I want to be and who I look up to, you know, like as far as her strength and humility, but there's her and there's so many women. Like I ran a race this last weekend and saw like so many strong women out there. I know there's just so many, there's so many, there's not just one person. It's like all of them that inspire me and want me to be a better person, you know, and that's why I hope to do the same, but yeah. I asked this question, the same question to everybody because somebody asked it to me uh, when I was early on in my career, but what made you think that you could do it? Because I believe in myself today. And that's what it's all about. It's just believing in you. Because if you want to do something, you can. And I'm living proof of that. I love that. Shalise, what does the next year look like for you? (laughs) Um, So I have... A few more 100 milers this year. <laughs> I'm doing Ute 100 in a couple weeks, and then I have Wasatch and Bear 100 in September. I'm also trying to continue my or further my education. Oh, yeah. uh, I decided to go back to college, so I'm also doing that. My life is where, pretty where busy. Are you, where are you going? Here at UVU. Do you, UVU? Yeah. <laughs> and what are you going to study? I'm not sure. I definitely want to do something in the medical field because I want to continue helping people. So I was thinking maybe radiology. I don't know. We're just, I'm trying to figure that out still, but. You, you're a total inspiration. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, happy um, to be here. Last, last question, and this is for that woman who is going through the darkest of times. What would be one thing you would tell her right now if you were, if you were talking to her? Well, it's just what I said before, you know, like believe in yourself. And if you can't right now and you don't know how to love yourself, find someone that does find another female that has been where you're at and that can help you carry, carry you through it, you know, like reach out. Like there's so much power behind women. You know, I've seen it. I felt it. I know. And so like just find that support in them and believe in yourself because like, it's it's so possible for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you very much for listening to Shake the Earth podcast. We had Shalise Morgan, ultra trail runner and total inspiration. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>